so glad that, that you're here. You know, excited to see what God's doing. You know, it's been a really exciting year uh, here at KCF. Um, you know, we've been in existence for like, I think, what, 11 years now, 10, 11 years. And this has been a really, really exciting year. You know, there have been a lot of you, and you know, just great to hear the stories and the testimonies of, of how people have made decisions. You know, that a lot of you have made decisions to take uh, steps and to really step up in your relationship uh, with Jesus, you know. And, and that's always exciting because that's what we're here to do. You know, for some of you, um, you've taken a step to really get to know who God is. And so, you know, you were part of the first Alpha Course, what Max was talking about. Uh, you've started to come regularly to service, kind of checking out what God's about. And that's a really great, huge step. You know, some of you have... Um, made a decision to accept Jesus as your Savior this year. And that's like, one, that's like the best decision, the greatest decision that you can ever make. And, uh, you know, that's, that's exciting. Uh, some of you have uh, made a decision to get baptized this year. And that's always fun. You know, we have another baptism coming up, I think, in... Um, where's Max? Max, that's in October. I think in October, I think... Yeah, so the next step homeless shelter is this month in August, and Alpha, you know, uh, Shape starts this month. But, um, you know, you've made a decision. You made a decision this year that you're going to get baptized and make a public declaration of that personal decision you made to accept Jesus as your Savior. That's really, really great. And I think in Hawaii, you know, having baptism in Hawaii, that's not the greatest thing. So we get to go to the beach, you know, and we always go to Alamona Beach and there's like Diamond Head in the background. We take, I mean, like, how great is that? You know, like that's like a postcard kind of baptism, you know. And for others of you, um, you've taken steps to obey God in a deeper and greater way. You know, you joined a small group. Um, you started to maybe serve here at church. You know, we had like Tyson and David, they're like greeters this morning. And, you know, when you came in, you saw these two smiley guys that maybe might have, might have had a little bit too much coffee. But, you know, they're doing, they make these, well, he says, Pastor Marky Mark. Like, what is that? You know, but they had stuff like that, but they're all excited. Um, but, you know, maybe you started to pray more regularly and, and fervently for your, your family and your friends and the people you work with. And, you know, you begin to share Jesus, you know, with people at work or, you know, all this. and you just been taking steps. And I've been hearing and seeing um, the steps um, of how you've been taking these steps. And I'm so excited. And, and as we continue to move forward, I keep hearing the Lord say to me, you know, this is great, but the best is still yet to come. And the cool thing about Jesus is that the best is always yet to come. That no matter what we go through, it can be really great, you know, something better. You know, last night, uh, Neil Morikami and I, uh, we, we did a funeral, you know, and um, great testimony of this uh, co-worker, of, uh, worker of his uh, at where he used to work. Father um, passed away, but, you know, his father had always had this um, thing in his mind, and, you know, he would, I went over, I met him and at the nursing home, and and he's a really, he, was a, he was a dentist, a retired dentist, and he's really a sharp guy with a lot of questions, you know. And they warned me going in, said, he's going to have a lot of questions. And, you know, um, you know I'm probably, 
probably maybe the smartest person you guys know, but I'm not that smart, right? And so I'm nervous, and he's asking all these philosophical questions. You know, just hard questions. Can God create a rock too heavy that he can't carry? You know, I mean, stuff like that, you know, and just try to wrap your mind around questions like that. So he's asking me these questions, and then um, while he's asking these questions, and I'm doing the best I can, right? And, you know, he goes, you know, he's looking at me, and I'm just trying to do the best I can, you know? And I, I want to stop and say, hey, how's the 49ers this year? Something, you know, there's something I know. But he's asking these questions. And then he talks about a movie. Always, he talks about a movie that he says, you know, became his favorite movie. He always thought about it. Had a, you know, had a place called Shangri-La in this movie. And, you know, so he's talking on the side of the bed. I get my phone out and I'm Googling, you know, Shangri-La movie, right? Because I thought that's the name of the movie. And then I see, uh, and I don't know if any of you know this movie. It's called, it's called Lost Horizon. And I, and I looked at it, and I said, oh, by the way, Dr. Yashi, is, is the movie um, a Lost Horizon? And he goes, yes, how do you know? Well, I know a lot about everything, Dr. No, I didn't say that. But, but you know, he, he goes, yeah, Lost Horizon. And he was like, Ronald Coleman and Jane White. And I was like, I don't know these people. But, and, and I read some more. The movie was made in 1937. And over 75 years ago, this guy had in his mind this, this movie, he, that was his favorite movie, you know, and how he thought about it all his life and about that place called Shangri-La. And all of a sudden, the Lord shows me, like, hey, that's the, that's the key. And I said, you know, Dr. Ashi, you know, there is a real Shangri-La. I mean, there's a real place that's even better than the movie. And he goes, where's that? I go, it's called Heaven. And all of a sudden, he starts, he's listening now, like, I got him. It's like heaven. And I start sharing about what heaven's like and, you know, gold-paved streets, um, streets paved with gold to look like transparent glass, no crying, weeping, uh, suffering in heaven, you know, all this stuff. I said, you know, Dr. Ayashi, heaven's going to be the perfect place. I mean, you don't even got to be a dentist in heaven. There's no dentist in heaven, you know. And I, and I, and I was going to tell him, you know, that's like heaven to me. I don't have to go to the dentist anymore because everybody's afraid of dentists, right? But I didn't want to say that, you know, you offend the dentist. But we were talking, and then I said, would you, would you like, because heaven awaits you, you know, the Shangri-La that you've been thinking about, all that's God, put that in your heart. Would you want, when you leave this earth, would you want to go to the real Shangri-La heaven? He said, of course I want to go. So we got together with his sons, I said, you know, it comes when we accept Jesus as our Savior. So we, he goes, yeah, I want to do that. So we prayed, and he repeated after me. And, and, you know, he accepted the Lord right there in the hospital like that because God put in his heart Shangri-La. And I said, Dr. Hayashi, you know what? When you leave this earth and when you close your eyes for the last time here on earth, when you open your eyes up, you're going to be in Shangri-La. You're going to be in heaven. And it's going to be amazing. And he was coughing the whole time. I'm really, uh, uh, it's a hard cough to hear because, you know, you know that he's, you know, it's really, really uncomfortable. And so we prayed. And we asked God to take away his cough. And that was um, when Neil and I went. It was, I think it was uh, April 30th, 2014, so over a year ago. We went. And from that day to the day he died, he never again coughed like that. You know, and it was a testimony to his family. And, and you know, last night at the funeral, I got to share that with the people. And I just thought, you know, God, you're just amazing, the kind of things you're doing. You see? I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to be the smartest. God was doing stuff. And hearing and seeing that, I want to say to you, um, don't stop. You know, the steps you're taking, don't stop. Keep taking steps. Keep pressing on. Because 
really and truly the best is yet to come. And we really haven't seen anything yet. And I want to encourage you to, to keep taking these steps. But, you know, the, the thing is, when you take a step, there are times when, like, life kind of smacks you on the head, right? And it's hard. All of a sudden, it's like, it's not good. And it's tough, and we start getting doubts about, oh, is God really real? You know, what's happening? Um, you know, sometimes life just, you know, life's going on, and life's great. And all of a sudden, you get, like, punched in the gut, right? And all the air, you're like, oh, you know, and you get really discouraged, and, and, and you feel like, man, I mean, God, are you really there, right? And, you know, this year, with all the great things that's happening, it's been, a, it's been, a, it's been one of the toughest years for me personally, you know, it's been like rough this first. I think, man, I hope the second half is a lot better because I know the best is yet to come, God. You know, I mean, we've had challenges, you know, all kinds of things. God's been dealing with things in my life. You know, just I'm a guy under construction. And you say, man, you know, Mark, you got to work on this and you got to, you know, all this. And it's hard, you know. And, you know, challenges, um, people I know, um, you know, in 10 days, my daughter goes up. My firstborn daughter went up to Los Angeles, you know, and she's going to go to just a four-month internship. And, and some of you are thinking, oh, what's the big deal? You know, but, you know, I've never been four months. You know, so it's hard. Going to do that in, in, in 10 days, kind of gearing up for that. You know, I'm, we're going to go up to L.A. for a few days to, to help her settle in. And I just, I got to be strong on the way back, that flight back, man. You know, because I know my wife, she's gonna be rough, it's going to be rough for her, and i got to be strong, you know. And, uh, and I got that. And then two weeks ago, I find, out, I find out that one of my very, very bestest friends, you know, and, and some of you know him, Don Cousins, you know, um, his, his son is the quarterback at, quarterback at you know, Washington. You know, he calls, find out, you know, he has cancer. You know, it's like, oh, like I can't, I said, you know, and I remember you know, talking to Don, and talking about cancer. And he's one year older than I am. You know, he's like 37, I'm 36. You know, no, he's, he's 59, I'm 58. And, I, and I'm talking and, and I call my wife, Joe, after. I said, Joe, man, I just found out you got to pray because, you know, Don has cancer. You know, and I said, no, I, I cannot imagine going on this journey and not having Don there. I said, no, that's not his time yet, you know. And that's been tough, you know, dealing with that thing. And as a Christ follower, there are times when we all wonder if it's really worth following Jesus, right? I mean, and if we're really honest, we all have those moments, you know, where doubts come in and stuff. And, and, and if you felt like that, you know, because you're not alone, you know, because the truth is the thought crosses our mind because life gets hard sometimes. You know, things, and we think, oh, but as a Christian, everything is supposed to be like a fairy. No, it's not. You know, life still smacks you at times. But the cool thing is, is that Jesus is there. You know, but, but a lot of times, like, man, it's really rough. And we forget. And our eyes start focusing on the stuff that's going around us. It's like, man, this is hard. You know? And um, in the book, one of the books in the Bible called Hebrews in the New Testament, the author in the book of Hebrews took time to write a letter and one of his main purposes was to encourage the people he was writing to of this very thing. Because they, had, they were Jews, and, and they had decided that they're going to begin to follow Jesus. And the way to follow Jesus was a whole lot different than what they were used to, and it cost them a lot. 
You know, they had to leave that all the religious practices and all the things that were part of, of you know, the Jewish religion at that time. You know, it was hard. And, and they had to leave, and they did so. But when they started to encounter troubles and stuff, man, there was a real temptation for them to want to go back to what they knew, right? And that's what we do. A lot of times we want to go back to what we knew. And it's like, man, is this really worth it? I want to go back and do what I've always done. You know, it's familiar. It might not be great, but it's familiar. And they were tempted to go back. You know, was like, man, I miss sacrificing the animals and all this kind of stuff. And, 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 and the author of Hebrews is writing to them, encouraging them, exhorting them to just keep moving on. That the best is yet to come. Don't go back. I mean, it was futile and it wasn't good. And in the first place, you know, you knew that wasn't the way. And there was something better. But as you started to go, yeah, it gets hard sometimes. And so he's writing this letter to encourage them. And we're going to look at, at a part of chapter 13. And I'm going to pray that, that, that God, you would allow God the Holy Spirit to speak to you. That especially if you're in that position where like, yeah, you have doubts, it's discouraging, man, is God really there, all that kind of thing. You know, let God speak to you. Let the Word, let Him speak to you through the truth of His Word. And so um, let's allow Him to infuse all of us with faith, you know, and, and really give us instructions on how to live this life of purpose, you know, really in the, even in the midst of all the challenges we go through. So why don't we pray really quick and let's ask the Lord to really speak to our hearts. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you lead us into all truth. And I pray today that you would lead us into truth, that your words would be spoken, that when we open up your words, that those words would touch our hearts and it would infuse us with faith to keep moving even in the midst of challenges that we're facing. And so we thank you, Father. We thank you that, yes, as we follow you, we know that the best is still yet to come. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. First thing is this. How do we live a life of purpose? How do we be fulfilled in life? It requires faith, but it requires action too, you know. And, and a lot of times when we're all in the midst of challenges, we got to keep doing what God is calling us to do. It requires action. Faith has to be um, seen in our actions, right? And so the first thing that, that um, the author of Hebrews is saying to us here in Hebrews 13 verse 1 is don't stop loving others. Yeah, don't stop loving others. And that's really important because sometimes, right, others is the reason we're challenged, you know, and it's like, man, I just can't believe, you know, at work, it could be at work or at school or friends that you thought were your friends and not really your friends. And it's like, what he's saying is don't stop loving others, right? Because that's like the greatest commandment, right? Love God with everything we got. Love our neighbors. Who's our neighbors? Everybody around us. We got to love them as we love ourselves. So first in um, Hebrews 13 verse 1, it says, keep on loving each other. And, you know, what the Greek is, is continually, just continually, don't stop. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. And that's why, you know, like we're a family, the family of God. That's why get to know people you don't know. We got to love each other here. That's so important that we love each other. 
So, you know, um, find, after service, find someone you don't know, grab their hand, and skip to the, um, uh, to the refreshments in the back. You know, I mean, how can you, no one can skip and not smile. Because when you skip, you got to smile, right? So you grab someone, hey, let's go get some snacks, and skip. Anyway, yeah, I would pay to see some of y'all skip. But it says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Not only that, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. It says, you never know who the strangers are. Just keep on loving the strangers and people you don't know. Don't just avoid them. Show hospitality. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. You see, so put yourself in their shoes. How would you feel you're in prison? And as I was doing this this week, you know, I know someone in prison wrote him a letter, and I said, you know, I'm going to write this guy a letter every week. You know, so wrote him a letter this week, you know. And it says, remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. That's what love is. And he's saying, don't stop loving others. In order to push through discouragement and doubt and, and experience the life of purpose God has for you, we got to move beyond thinking about ourselves. Because right? isn't that what we want to do when, when we're going through a hard time? You know, we pity party. You know, I like to close all the windows in my room and just sit there and listen to like just, you know, sad music. You know, Barry Manilow is really good for this. You know, just, oh, Mandy. You know, it's just like, just, you know, you just want to feel sorry for yourself. Some of you are thinking, who the heck is Barry? Anyway, so, but, but you want to do that. And you got to push beyond that and begin to... S- to move beyond yourself and not focus on yourself. And what Jesus is saying is the greatest commandment is all about being others-focused, right? And not self-focused. The natural inclination we have is to be self-focused. But he's saying the greatest commandment, love God. Don't love yourself. Love God with everything you got. Love your neighbors, you see? It's about being others-focused. And Hebrews 13 is saying... It's, it's saying, you know, don't stop loving others who are seeking after God, part of your family. Don't, don't stop loving those, you know, outside the church, you know, the world around us. You know, we got to remember to love our communities, our schools, people at our workplaces, wherever we are, even people we don't know, even those in prison, even those who we look and they're just like, you know, that's outcasts of society. We got to love people. And he's saying, don't stop loving people. That is a mark of what it means to follow Christ. That is a powerful mark that we had. You know, Richard, I mean, Rodney Starks wrote this book called The Rise of Christianity. And, and, and he wanted to write this book because he wanted to know, he did research on what he saw, like, how did Christianity rise from a small marginal group of people to become a dominant force, you know, really of the Roman Empire and the Western world in just a few centuries. You know, a group like this, how did a group about this size, maybe a little bigger than this, you know, be, be, you know became this, this force that influenced the whole world? How did that happen, you know? And um, he, as he did research, he noted that there were two great epidemics um, during those first few centuries. And if um, those who were cared for, um, those who were affected were cared for, um, chances are there was a good chance that they would survive. 
You know, but what was happening was that as people were affected, people were like, whoa, and then they did kick them out, you know, and they would get absolutely no care and all that. Other family members would just leave that person because they were afraid for themselves, right? Because this is an epidemic going on. People are dying all over the place, and they would leave those people. And what, what, what he noted was that he, he points out that there was a willingness at that point for the, as Christians, they didn't, that the, the early church, they didn't just outcast and push people. They actually took care of their family members. They also took care, he noted, of those that were left behind by their families. And, and he says that, that their willingness to suffer in order to care for the sick had a huge part to play in the large numbers of people in the Roman Empire turning to Christ. That they chose to love others no matter what the cost was to them. See, that's what love is. That's what loving others is. That's what it means to live a life of purpose. And so even if you're discouraged, even if you got some doubts, you know, even if there's a whole bunch of challenges, what the author of Hebrews is saying is keep on loving. Don't stop loving others. That's so important. The second thing is he's saying don't stop loving. Don't stop loving God, you know, and, and by following his directives and instructions in the Bible. It says, you know what? You, you got to keep obeying what he says. Don't stop obeying what he says. I know you got doubts. I know you're discouraged. But don't mess around and stop doing what is right. And that's a challenge too. Sometimes like, oh, I don't care, really, and I'm just going to go, right? Like, I know I shouldn't get drunk, but you know, ah. And you, you know, because you're just all busted up. And he's saying, no, no, don't. Don't stop loving God. And, and don't stop loving enough to stop obeying what he says. In verse 4, it says, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. You know, God will surely judge people who are immoral and who commit adultery. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. You know, so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere men do to me? In the midst of challenges, sometimes don't we want to medicate ourselves sometimes? Some people want to do that with, you know, substances or alcohol and stuff. Just get away from the real world. Others, you know, going through a hard time. You know, it's like, man, that spoke to me. It's like sometimes there's impulsive spending that I, you know, I just all stress or whatever. Got to go buy something. You know, I don't know what I want to buy. I just got to go buy something. You know, it's like, oh, you know. Others, you know, they, they'll, they'll just make bad choices. And he's saying, like, look, no, I mean, you know, look what the Bible says. Honor marriage. Remain faithful. That's what the Bible, that's what God says. Keep doing that. God says, we learned this last six weeks or so, you know, hey, don't just love money. Be satisfied, you know. And, and part of this, what he's saying is that we got to love God. We got to keep loving God. And that means obeying uh, what he says. Because if we don't, we can make a challenging time worse. And some of you, like me, you know, we know what that means. We're in a bad situation, and we make it worse by making bad choices. You know, in the 19th century, there was this woman, Marie um, Dagu, and, and she was really tired of the challenges of her life. She had some kids, and just getting tired of it all. And um, she was mesmerized, infatuated by this this amazing pianist at that time, Franz Liszt. And Franz Liszt was this, like, he was he was like crazy. Some people say he was like the greatest pianist ever. You know, I don't know if you know Franz Liszt, but 
But he was like a madman. And he could play really good, but he, at the end of his life, he kind of messed up his career because what he did, um, um, stories are told that, that you know, he made a pact with the devil because he, you know, he was so, he wanted, and he wanted to play better and better, and he thought he would have, um, if he could cover more keys, his fingers were longer, he could you know, even reach more keys. And, and so he actually slit some of his fingers so that his, you know, he thought his fingers would get longer if he slit between here. He was like a madman. And, you know, that didn't work out, messed them all up, right? But that's Franz Liszt, you know, he was one of, yeah, I, I like Franz Liszt. But anyway, he's this crazy good guy. But here's this Marie uh, Degu, and she was infatuated, uh, left her family, left her kids to be with him, right? You know, challenges, made a bad decision, going to follow this guy, going to be with this guy. Well, as the infatuation cooled off, and then she began to think, man, you know, I, I miss, I really, I, I made a terrible mistake. I terribly miss my kids. And, and she writes and she makes a sad observation. She says, when one has smashed everything around oneself, one has also smashed oneself. Yeah. And that's what happens, see? When, when, when you are in a bad situation and, and you make it worse and it's like, I don't care about God and what he says, and you smash everything around yourself, one has also smashed yourself. And that's the truth. That's what happens, you know. And, and God doesn't want us to smash ourselves. His directives and his instructions are there to prevent us from smashing our lives. That's why the author of Hebrews goes on to remind us that, you know what? God's not going to fail you. He's there. He doesn't have these instructions just to make your life harder. He's there because he wants to prevent you from making terrible mistakes, you know. And he will always be there. He's always there to help you. There's no need to fear. And, you know, if you just wait, if you just wait a moment, he is there because he's never left you. And if you're going through a hard time, there's a reason for that. But God's there and he's never going to leave you. That the best is yet to come. And living a life of purpose means that we don't stop loving God. That we don't stop following his instructions and his directives in the Bible. And, and even if you're discouraged and you have doubts, we don't. In fact, don't stop loving God, especially if you're like in a spiritual funk. Because that's when you're most vulnerable. Third thing, don't stop loving Jesus and remember what he's done for you. Remember everything. See, when you're discouraged and your doubts come in, don't stop loving Jesus and take time to remember what he did for you. In verse 7, remember your leaders. He goes on, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come out from, the, uh, from their lives and follow the example of their faith. You know, we all have leaders and people we look up to. And you got leaders and he says, you know, don't forget them. You know, take them out, take them out to lunch sometimes. You know, they like aloha cones, you know, um, poke bowls. You want to get them a gift sometimes, you know. Um, you know, they bleed like us, you know. I mean, you know, punch them, will they not get sore? You know, they will, all that. So it says, remember your leaders and all that stuff. But then he goes on. He says, Jesus, this is the most important thing. Yeah, you remember your leaders. They're okay. Remember people that you look up to, and, and you need to do that. But you got to remember, more important than all that, remember that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when you accepted Jesus, when life was really great and Jesus was really great, he was. 
But he's the same that he was back then. Now nah, he's the same. in the midst of the challenges you're going through right now. He's the same, and he's always gonna. You can count on Jesus. That's what you can count on Jesus. He says, "So do not be attracted by strange new ideas." That's the temptation. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food, which you know don't help those who follow them. We have an altar from which um, the priests in the tabernacle have no right to eat. Under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place, the sacrifices for sin, and the bodies of animals were burnt outside the camp. He's reminding them, see, look, remember those things. That, that's what you came out of. And they're really not worth anything, he's saying. So you've got to remember that, you see. And he says, so let's, and he goes on, so Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his blood. Remember what Jesus did. So let's go out to him outside the camp, bear the disgrace he bore, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. He says, look, I know his heart. But don't go back into something that's really worthless. You know, Jesus is the same. He's here. Go to him because he is there. He's your helper. He's going to be there for you. And understand that our life on earth is just a small blink in all of eternity. That there is a home that's awaiting us that is so much greater than this. Remember that our life here on earth is just a temporary assignment. Remember that, you know? And so that's kind of um, what he's saying to us is take heart. Jesus is going to be there. And so if you're going through a, a tough time, you know, don't stop loving Jesus. Take time to remember what he's done for you. Remember that he is there. Even if you don't feel him there, he's there. He's there and he's your helper and he will get you through. And it's so much better. Remember what you felt when you first accepted Jesus. And, and, and don't go back to the life that you came out of. He says, don't, you, you really don't want to do that. But just keep following. And remember, life's not going to be all this wonderful all the time because our true and eternal home awaits us. And our life here on earth is short. And you might have to suffer for a little bit, but it's just for a little while. And then we're going to be in that wonderful place called Shangri-La, called heaven. That's our home, see? And then the author of Hebrew then says, okay, look, you got those, you got, don't stop loving others, don't stop loving God, remember Jesus, remember everything he's done. And then he says, then he kind of sums it all up. He kind of sums it all up with this really powerful exhortation. He says, don't stop, don't ever stop worshiping God. It's something that will break through the discouragement, doubt, challenges, fears, worries, whatever you have, it'll break through. You know, as we talked about earlier, earlier, you know, um, I don't know, about a year ago maybe, it's hard to worship and worry at the same time. I mean, it's one of those hard things. It's hard to worship and worry at the same time. And so he's saying to us, don't stop worshiping God in verse 15. Therefore, in light of all these things that I've said, therefore, yeah, most to sum it all up, this is really important, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God. That continually worship him, offer a sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget 
to do good and share with those in need. And he says, these are the sacrifices that pleases God. It ain't the animals, it's not the lamb, it's not the bird, it's not anything else. The sacrifices that God so desires is that sacrifice of praise, you know. And worship is coming into the presence of God and offering up a sacrifice of praise. It's thanking God for who he is and all that he's done. It's declaring our love for him, you know. It's coming together, and what we do, we sing our praises to God. You know, that's why we spend time on Sunday, every Sunday morning. Like some people ask, you know, they're new to church, and why do we sing so much? You know, where else do you have, like, karaoke every week, right? It's a kind of a weird thing. You think about it. You know, where else do you go? You go to a meeting, and the first thing you do is you just sing a whole bunch of songs you don't know, right? I mean, that's, it's kind of weird. Why do they do this? Why do we do this? Why do we, you know, someone said, you know, Mark, we could have a way more powerful, we could have like a power service. Just, just take out all the singing, just go straight to the message. You know, in 40 minutes, we'll be done. No, it's not that attractive, you know, but right? And that's what they're thinking. Why do we sing so much? Because singing is a way we worship. It's a way we continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. It's, it's what we, we sing, you see? But it's more than that. Worship is continually praising God for everything we experience throughout our day. It's continually verbalizing our love and devotion to God. That's what the word proclaiming is all about. It's speaking out our praises. That's why we sing the songs. You know, the, the songs are directed to God. And we're, it's an opportunity to verbalize our, pray, our praise to God. It's a way we can proclaim with our voices. But you know what? Don't stop worshiping here. We do it throughout the day. When God, you know, when you know, something great happens, you go, God, thank you. You know, I had a friend, he thanked God for everything. Thank you, God, for that parking place. Thank you, God, for the, thank you, God. That's like the greatest lunch I had ever. Oh, look, a penny on the, thank you, God, for the penny. Yeah, and he would do that, and I'm already like, man, Ed, you're just like the weirdest cat around, man. I said, will you do it a little bit quieter? Because it's kind of embarrassing being, you know, thanking God for everything, you know. But you know what I notice? He don't worry like how I worry. God seems to bless him with stuff. He gets parking all the time. I got to like that. You know, because he understood something. That that's what, that's a sacrifice that pleases God. Just offering up a sacrifice of praise. But worship is more than just praising God with our voices. It's praising God with our actions. Worship really can be everything we do. It's our attitude, you know. It's, it's, it's following his directive and loving others, even those, you know, especially those in need. You know, we do those things. We do this in response to his word. But it's an offering it's a sacrifice of praise. When we go to the homeless shelter, we can go with, with a heart of worship that, God, we're going to thank you, that we're going to help. You know, everything we do can be like that. You know, when you're at a copy machine, I, thank you, God, you know? When you're, you know, when you're digging the, the ditch around the house to lay pipes, Thank you, God. You know, thank you, God. You know, whatever. Taking out the trash. And you husbands know that not only when you take out the trash and, and offer up a sacrifice of praise, thank you, God, I get to take out this trash. 
God is happy, but your wife is happy as well, right? You husbands know it. Every night, your wife wants you to take out that trash. Can be that many, that much trash. Doesn't matter. Can be that. They want you to take it out every night. And you know what the Bible says? Happy wife, happy life. I don't know. It's in there somewhere. I don't know. You see, but 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 you see, that's what God. That's what offering a sacrifice of praise is all about. Is verbalizing our praise. But it's in everything we do. We do it unto the Lord. You say, God, thank you, thank you that I can be here. It is so great. It's thank you to be here on the sidelines at Roosevelt High School field, and it's, it's pouring rain, but thank you I get to be here. And thank you Bob Morikuni has an umbrella, and you can go there. You see, everything we do can be an act of worship. And worship is something we give, right? And that's what he's saying. We offer up a, sac- a sacrifice of praise. It costs us something. See, worship involves sacrifice. You might come here on Sunday, you might not feel like singing at all. I'm just not going to sing today. You know? No, it involves sacrifice. You know, that, that you're not always going to feel like declaring your love and devotion to God. You're not always going to feel like doing something as a sacrifice to the Lord or praise to the Lord. It's a choice we make. You know, it might cost you a little to be, you know, it might cost you a little bit of embarrassment, right? You come here and, Oh, look, look, there, I see some people raising their hand. Do I do that? I should. That feels weird. And, you know, people are singing around you, and you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I can sing. You know, you kind of embarrass, you don't want to sing. Offering a sacrifice of praise is just getting beyond that because it's, that's a sacrifice. Say, God, I'm kind of embarrassed, but I'm just going to let it rip, right? At work, I want to say, hey, thanks, God, for this, but what are others going to think? But you know what? You know, that's a sacrifice. You see, that's worship involves sacrifice. This has been a real breakthrough year for us. That, and I'm praying that this will be a breakthrough year for you personally. And if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, let today be that day. You know, let today be the start of a breakthrough year for you. And again, you know, for all of us, you know, let's not stop. Let's just keep pressing on. Yeah, there's going to come challenges. You know, there are going to be challenges. But, you know, let's not stop loving God. Let's not stop loving others. Let's not stop loving Jesus. And really, let's not stop worshiping. You know, let's not stop worshiping. You know, I'm so excited about what's going to I'm so excited about the Shape series coming up because I want all of you, all of us, to know how God wired us. So when we go out and do something, whether it be at work or ministry, whatever, we're going to, I was made for this, you see. But we're going to close this service by offering up a sacrifice of praise. We're going to call the worship team up. And what we're going to do is we're going to do one last song, all right? And let's take a little time and offer up a sacrifice of praise with our voices. All right? And this, let's truly make it a sacrifice of praise. So, you know what? What, what I do if I'm, you know, just close your eyes and just let it rip, all right? And, you know, just, just go. Okay? While you're worshiping, you know, I want you also to, to, to take a moment to jot down something that God kind of puts on your heart that, that you want to do this coming week as a sacrifice of praise with your actions. 
It could be big, it could be small. You know, someone being mistreated right now, or someone who's down, maybe it's writing them a note. Or maybe it's taking someone a cup of coffee on, on Monday. But, but, but worship is also what we do with our actions. So let's sing now, but let's also take, take a moment to say, God, this coming week, I want to take steps how to make this, to offer up to you a sacrifice of praise, all right? So if the Lord brings something to your mind, write it down, all right? Write it down. And then what you do is when we close the service, you look, go look for someone you don't know, and you tell them, hey, this is what I'm going to do this week as a sacrifice of praise, and then you skip over to the, to the uh, refreshments. Wouldn't that be a greatest thing if we all left skipping to the refreshments? Man, I've never seen that. That would be, like, great, all right? So, um, yeah, so why don't... Uh, we take some time. Why don't you stand with us? And uh, let's uh, join our voices with the worship team and let's offer up a sacrifice of praise, all right? <laughs>